Hello, I'm Shane Hartsfield, pastor of Beaver Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. If you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ or questions about our church, direct you to our website, beaverbaptist.com, for our contact information. Weekly, we study exegetically through books of the Bible. And now, join us as we dive into today's passage. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 19 with me. It's not just a piece of cracker and a cup of juice. It's, it's the gospel going out. As often as we do this, we proclaim the Lord's death. The psalm that we're going to be in this morning is a song of revelation. You may notice in your, in your, uh, in your bulletin, the, the first two points of the sermon are God is revealed in the created world and God is revealed in the spoken word. This is a psalm of revelation. It's about how God has revealed himself to us. On this side of the cross, we know that the ultimate climax of God's revelation is in the coming of his son. So when Paul says we proclaim the Lord's death when we take the Lord's supper together, think about it that we proclaim what God has revealed. We are proclaiming a message that we have received through the Word. Psalm 19 talks to us about how God reveals Himself to us. Let's pray together before we get into it. Father in heaven, we thank You For your son, Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, buried, and risen again. That all of us who trust and repent and follow him might in the same manner be raised to life. God, we thank you for the gift of the Lord's Supper together. We thank you for the gift of your word I pray that through all these means of grace that you have given to us, you might strengthen our faith and stir our heart to love you more. I pray, as this psalmist prayed, that my words would be pleasing in your sight now, that the meditations of our heart would be acceptable to you. You... Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. In Christ's name, amen. So we're continuing our series in the Psalms. And before we jump into this one, I want to do a little bit of refreshing. Okay, so the Psalms are wisdom literature. You remember this? Wisdom literature in the Old Testament is Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Five books of the Old Testament of wisdom literature. Okay, the primary marker of wisdom literature, particularly of poetry, of Hebrew poetry, is parallelism. Y'all remember this? Parallelism. Parallelism uh, comes across to us in English as something like balanced repetition. Okay, so when we talk about parallelism and you read and we're reading through the Psalms, think about balanced repetition. That's That's a good Uh, kind of shorthand for what parallelism 
is for us. Another, uh, another main marker of Hebrew poetry is this figurative language that we see throughout the Psalms and all of the wisdom literature, right? Figurative language in the sense that uh, it's going to make a point for us, but isn't necessarily to be taken literally, right? We're going to see both of, these, uh, both of these features in Psalm 19. Last, last week and the week before, uh, Pastor Shane was in, in Psalm 1 and 2, Remember, uh, Psalm 1 and 2 function at the beginning of the Psalms really as an intro to the ent- entire book of the Psalms. Okay, so, uh, so if you noticed, um, you don't have to turn there, but in, uh, at the very first week, Shane said that, that, that Psalms is broken up into five books. Okay, so book one um, is Psalm 1 through Psalm What's it go through? (laughs) 40. Thank you, Shane. Through Psalm 40. I was thinking 50, and I knew that wasn't right. Yeah, there it is. Through 41. There it is, 41. So Psalm 1 through Psalm 41. Psalm 1 and 2 are the only ones that don't have a a heading to the psalm. Every other psalm, like look at our psalm, it says, To the choir master, a psalm of David. This is the psalm heading. Psalm 1 and 2 don't have that because they're functioning like, a, like an intro to the entire book of the Psalms. Just another little note about these headings is uh, in my Bible, it has ab- up above it, the law of the Lord is perfect in, in bold and italics. Um, that's like the, the, the translator's title of this psalm, okay? But that's not really part of the psalm. This is a little bit confusing. But then it has to the choir master, a psalm of David, in small caps. Is, is y'all's Bible that way too? In small caps up above it. That actually is part of the psalm. Okay? So, so when you see those headings, just think of that as like the translator's title of the psalm. But it's not actually part of the actual text of the psalm. It's not part of the inspired word of God. Um, it was added later, much like the verse numbers. Okay? Um, but, but these little uh, headings to the choir master, Psalm of David, this is part of the psalm. And they give us clues about what the psalm is about, about sometimes the historical setting of the psalm, uh, sometimes about, uh, about how the psalm functioned, how it was used in ancient Israel. So this one we know uh, was a song, a, a song that was sung, right? It's to the choir master. Followers of the Lord are a singing people, aren't we, Blake? We sing songs to the Lord. This is a song that ancient Israel sung to the Lord. Psalm 1 and 2 set the stage for us, talking about the blessed man of Psalm 1. Remember? Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. Psalm 2 talked about God is the king of the nations, and then closes by saying that the one who takes refuge in his son is blessed. These are are two of the major prominent themes throughout the entire Psalms, and this is why Psalm 1 and 2 functions like this intro for us. We could say that all of the Psalms are about learning how to live a blessed life under the kingly rule of God. God is the king of the universe, and for those who submit themselves to his kingly rule, those people are blessed. 
Okay, let's get into our psalm. I said it's a psalm of revelation. It's about how God, as the king of the universe, has revealed himself to us. So we have three points coming from the three stanzas of this psalm. The first point from verses 1 through 6, the first stanza, is that God is revealed in his created world. God is revealed in his created world. The heavens declare the glory of God. Miss Betty gave a testimony about this on Wednesday, didn't you, Miss Betty? Yeah, sort of, kind of. The heavens declare God's glory. The rain, the thunderstorms declare God's glory. The hills and the valleys and the mountains The stars in the sky are declaring God's glory. This is all parallelism. So look at these first, the heavens, the skies, and then in verse 2, day and night. And then look at what the psalmist says these things do. These are all revelation verbs. Okay, look at the verbs. Declare, proclaim, pour out, reveal. Right? So, the, so God's creation is declaring and proclaiming and, and pouring out and revealing to us who God is. They declare God's glory and His handiwork, His speech and knowledge. You see the parallelism? Like balanced repetition. Right from the get-go, we see that the main thrust of this psalm is that God is revealing Himself to us. Verse 4 says, Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. But then in verse 3, He lets us know that that's figurative language, right? That's not to be taken literally. There is no speech, He says, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. So He's saying that 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 creation is singing and screaming, as it were, the glory of God, but it's in a language that we don't speak. Right? We don't literally hear creation speaking, but we can see God's glory in it. The heavens declare the glory of God. Then he, then he kind of zeroes in for a couple of verses in, in 5 and 6 on the sun, The sun, here's more figurative language. In them, that is in the heavens, he has set a tent for the sun. Okay? And it comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, like a strong man. He runs its course with joy. There's not a literal tent in the sky that the the sun comes out of, right? That's figurative language. Talking about how the sun rises, how it bursts out like a bridegroom bursts out to meet his bride on his wedding day. It's rising, verse 6, it's rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. Okay, there, the, the sun here is treated as, as kind of like the crown of creation. There's nothing hidden from its heat. There's nowhere that its light does not reach. Think about the sun. It's, it's, uh, it's both life-giving, Right? Nothing on earth exists without the sun. But it's also 
It also can be kind of unrelenting if you can't hide from its heat on a hot summer day. It can, it can bake down on you and you want to escape its light sometimes. We'll come back to that thought in a minute. Point number one, God is revealed in his created world. Moving on to point number two in the second stanza, verses seven through nine, God is revealed in his spoken word. God is revealed in his spoken word. The first line of each of these first two stanzas really acts as kind of the banner over these verses. The heavens declare the glory of God. The law of the Lord, verse 7, is perfect. Notice the progression, okay? We start with the heavens declaring the glory of God. And notice that it's the glory of God, right? This word for God is just the generic, general term for God. It's oftentimes used when, in reference to creation. It's also the, the word used for the Egyptian gods or any other gods, okay? But the heavens declare the glory of God. But then we come to verse 7, and the law of the Lord is perfect. There's a progression here from God to Lord. And the word Lord here in your Bibles is probably in all small caps, Whenever you see that, this is the self-revealed name of God, Yahweh, right? I am who I am. The name that he gave Moses in Exodus when Moses came to him and said, who do I tell the Israelites sent me, right? Moses was a scaredy cat when God called him. He didn't want to go. He says, who, who, do, I, who do I say sent me? Can, can my brother go with me? You remember this? Right? And what does God say to him? He says, tell them, I am who I am sent you. And from that point forward, this I am who I am phrase in Hebrew, Yahweh, was the specific covenant-keeping name of God referenced through the rest of the Old Testament whenever it's in relation to his chosen people. So we move from the general revelation of God in creation to the more specific revelation of God in His Word. It is the law of the Lord, the Word of the Lord that is perfect. Okay, And then again, we have this, this repetition of this same type of phrase in the next three verses. Six phrases that follow this exact same pattern. Okay, So, so notice these are six description, six synonyms for the word, for the spoken word of God, the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts, the commandment, the fear, the rules of the Lord. And then look at the way that David describes them for us. They are perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. Can we, can we just agree together that, that the Word of God is these things. It is perfect and sure and right and pure and clean and true. And then it gives us some benefits, some benefits that come to us from the law of the Lord. It is reviving to the soul. 
It makes wise the simple, and it brings joy to our hearts. It enlightens our eyes. And then the last two are further descriptions of the law. And that's why I drew the little, little line like this, okay? The law of the Lord, the, the fear of the Lord, endures forever and is righteous all together. The law of the Lord, the word of the Lord reflects the character of God in that it is completely and totally righteous and it endures forever. So like the sun, here's the connection I said we would come back to. Like the sun, God's word gives life. For all of us who are believers in Jesus, the law of the Lord, the word of God, brought life to us. It brought to us the life-giving message of forgiveness of sins in the body and blood of Jesus. But it also can be exacting and judging like the sun. There is nothing that is hidden from its heat. There is nothing that can escape. There is no one who can escape the law of God. There is no one who will not stand under the judgment of the word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect. For those of us who know the Lord, who trust in Christ and have repented of our sins, it revives our souls. It makes wise the simple and it brings joy to our hearts and it enlightens our eyes. God is revealed in creation. God is revealed in His Word. That brings us then to the third point, our response. Our response to His revelation. God has revealed Himself to us. How are we to respond to that? Pursuing, obeying, praying. Okay, and the kids, the kids, y'all, if y'all have your little uh, worksheet, I put pop on there. Pursue, obey, pray, pop. That's our response this morning. Verses 10 through 14. Pursuing the Lord. More to be desired are they. What's the they there? What's the they? Huh? The rules of the Lord. Right? The they is, is just in reference back up to God's word. They are, the word of God is more desirable than gold. Than the finest of gold. Remember the parable that Jesus tells about the hidden treasure? There's a treasure hidden in a field. A man finds it and then goes and he covers it up first, right? And then he goes and sells everything he has in joy. In joy, it says, Jesus said. He sells everything he has so that he can go buy that field and acquire that treasure. That's the gospel. The gospel is a treasure. The word of God is more desirable than gold. Sweeter than the drippings of 
the honeycomb. Friends, let's be a people who pursue God in His spoken word. Brother Rodney shared about this a little this morning with the men, that we have to set a pattern in our life to pursue the Lord so that whether we're in a season of, of everything's going swell or whether we're in a season that is stormy and rocky, we have this pattern of pursuing God that doesn't falter depending on our life circumstances. Let's be a people who pursue God in His Word. Moreover, verse 11, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Our response to God's revelation, we obey Him. We obey Him. We keep His Word. His Word warns us. It keeps us from chasing after the things that we ought not to chase after. Jesus said, if you love me, you will, what? Keep my commandments. Right? We don't obey the Lord just out of a sense of duty. That's part of it. Kids, you ought to obey your parents because they say so. Amen? Yeah. But you also ought to obey them because you love them. We obey the Lord not just out of a sense of duty, even though that is part of it. We obey the Lord because we love the Lord. His word warns us, and there is great reward in keeping it. Peter says, Peter says that uh, the outcome of our faith is the salvation of our souls. We're not saved because we obey. We obey because we're saved. Right? Don't get those backwards. It is, a, it is not a righteousness that is based on works. It is a righteousness that is based on faith. We're not saved because we obey. We obey because we're saved. And the outcome of that faith, of that salvation, Peter says, it, of that faith, I'm sorry, is the salvation of our souls. In keeping them, there is great reward. And then pray. We've been talking about this on Wednesdays. Praying the word. This psalm gives us, as most all the psalms do, gives us a great template for that. Okay, the psalmist David now turns his attention to speak to God. He says, Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Hidden faults, presumptuous sins. What's the what's the difference here? This is a this is a a, a distinction that we see throughout. The, the, the law, and it's, uh, we can attest to this, right, that we sin against God sometimes and don't even know it. David says, declare me innocent from these hidden faults and then presumptuous sins. What is this? This is outright rebellion against God. 
Sometimes the Old Testament describes this as a high-handed sin. It's like shaking your fist at God, saying, my way is better than yours, and I'm doing it the way I want to do it. Outright rebellion against God. Keep back your servant from that type of pride. So we can turn these, these words of the psalm into prayers. Lord, reveal our sins to us, even the ones that are hidden from us, so that we can repent and be holy. Lord, keep us, protect us from sinning against you in open rebellion, thinking that our way is better than yours. Let that pride, Lord, have no dominion over us. Then Psalm 14 can just be quoted, right? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing, acceptable to you. Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. All right, what, is our, what are our takeaways from this? Take it to the house, little ode to football season here for us. Shane introduced this to us last week. We're going to ask these questions with each psalm. How does this psalm affect our mind, our head? How does it affect our heart? And how does it affect our hands? Our head, our heart, our hands. What do we ought to think about this? What, what, what does this do in our, in our souls? How does this stir up our affections? And what, does this, what do we do with it? What are the actions that we can do? Well, for our mind, let's just meditate on the, the wonderful truth that God is the king of all of creation. God is king. You are not. That, that is a comforting thought for those who submit to his kingship. How does it affect our heart, our affections, our love? My wife always asks women when, when they're hanging out, how's your heart? And I always laugh because I'm like, man, dudes don't say that to each other, you know? <laughs> uh, Brady, how's your heart today, brother? Uh, 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 we just don't say that. But it's a good question. We just got to rephrase a little bit for the fellas, right? What does this do for our hearts? How does this, how does this impact what we love and how our affections are, are stirred up? Well, We ought to be a people who love the Word of God, who pursue God in His Word, right? A people who, who meditate on it and love the Lord through knowing His Word. We look out in the world and we see His creation and it stirs up our affections for Him, doesn't it, Miss Betty? Creation is... Declaring the glory of God and that we see it and it stirs our affections for our creator. But, but the word of God doesn't just speak to our minds and our hearts. It tells us how we ought to live. So how ought we to live then in light of this psalm? Well, we ought to pursue the Lord in his word. We ought to obey the word. And we ought to pray the word. Pray with your Bible open. Been saying that on Wednesday nights together. Pray with your Bible open. If you don't know the Lord and you your soul has not been revived by his word, 
Submit yourself to the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will have mercy on you. Repent of your hidden sins and presumptuous sins, and he will declare you blameless because of the shed blood and broken body of Jesus. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.